Battery Generation by Patrick Rosen and Leonard Peters. Brought to you by Celeste. This podcast is brought to you by the Helmholtz Institute Ulm and Celeste, the Center for Electrochemical Energy Storage, Ulm and Karlsruhe, Germany. Welcome back to Battery Generation, your podcast on electromobility and European battery research. Leonard, good to see you. Hey there, Patrick. Dear listeners, since our last episode on sodium ion batteries, you sent us a lot of messages and emails asking for a follow-up, and that's exactly what we're going to do today. We will try to answer as many of your questions. We might not get through all of them, but we'll definitely try. Exactly. In our digital studio today, welcome back Professor Dr. Stefano Passerini. Good to see you again. Thank you. I am going to introduce you once more to our audience. You're an Italian chemist, a professor at KIT, the Karlsruhe Institute of Technology, and you are the deputy director of the Helmholtz Institute Ulm and as well the coordinator of the ERA Joint Program on Energy Storage. Correct. Dear listeners, we try to always keep you up to date on the latest in battery research. If you want to stay up to date, subscribe the channel. And if you like what you hear, leave us a like, um, comment, or hit us up with an email if you have an idea for a new topic at hello at batterygeneration.com. That's hello at batterygeneration.com. This is a follow-up podcast. If you want to watch the first episode again, it is beneath this podcast. Let's jump Straight into the first question by Sandra Frindel. She asks via email, Professor Passerini, thank you for your intense podcast on SIB. Uh, could you provide any more details of first produced batteries by CATL, by Natron Energy or Feradion? I guess that are the first um, producers of SIBs. What's the exact material mix on both electrodes? Is that a business secret or are you able to provide that data? Well, the, the exact material mix is obviously a business secret. There is no way to, to get this information. But... Uh, um, More or less, the content is known. I mean, all three producers are using, uh, I think, our carbon on the negative electrode. And for the positive electrode, the CATL and Natron use uh, Prussian blue, which is um, kind of cyanide transition metals. And uh, Faradionids, uh, on the other end, is proposing uh, um, metal oxide for the positive electrode. There is a fourth company actually called Tiamat, which is not listed there. Is a start uh, small company in France, and they are using a, a, a phosphate, a vanadium phosphate material, which offers very high power but less energy than the other uh, positive electric materials. You have displayed uh, sodium ion batteries in the last podcast as very sustainable. When looking at hard carbon now and vanadium. Uh, Do they keep what they promise? Is that more sustainable compared to lithium-ion batteries then? For our carbon, there is no doubt because um, the, the source very frequently is bio-waste. Uh, so this is not a big problem. Actually, it's very good. Um, regarding the vanadium in, uh, for the Tiamat uh, production, this is a little bit uh, uh, more tricky because there is not much vanadium and there are some concerns also. But uh, to start, uh, the, this um, um, positive electron material is very good for uh, uh, high power applications. And this is where they are focusing. So obviously they need this material. What would be a high power application just to have an example? 
for our listeners? CATL, for example, proposed uh, sodium ion batteries as uh, um, uh, high power batteries to, to complementary to lithium ion batteries. So in, in their uh, first approach, lithium ion would, let's say, supply the, the energy for the vehicles while the sodium ion would supply the power when it's needed. So both during acceleration or braking. Okay. Mm -hmm. Could you once more explain Prussian blue? What is that exactly? Prussian blue is a, is a chemical composed of usually iron and other metals and uh, complex or in, in, in a complex molecule, in, including uh, six uh, cyanide groups. <clears throat> so now the chemical formula is a little bit complex, but is it is supposed to be also a very sustainable material. Let's jump into the next question here by David Tucker. You'll see why I'm asking that now. Um, he uh, emailed us asking, any chance of asking Professor Passerini what top three popular cathode materials are being discussed in research right now? So um, take us on that journey. What do you think which uh, material mix will at the end uh, make the race when you see the first three uh, producers worldwide in SIBs? What do you think is the best solution here? Well, all of them are uh, have some advantages and some disadvantages, but more or less the three most popular cathode materials are those that I mentioned. So the Prussian blue or Prussian blue analogs, oxides, and from faradion, faradion or faradion, and the and the uh, vanadates from Tiamat. The large company are more more pointing on uh, focusing on uh, on Prussian blue, so CATL, but I think also oxides have a future because they, they are um, pretty promising. Vanadates, they, they, there is this limitation on the cost and availability of vanadium, which can be a kind of a block for their industrial development. There was a, a user, Shirin Bible, and she was um, wondering about how is this sodium ion battery as a whole greener? Iron and aluminum are two of the, the most uh, uh, abundant metals on the on the earth. Okay, so manganese is also uh, very abundant, much more than the cobalt and nickel, which are used in lithium-ion batteries. We are talking about orders of magnitude. Okay, so iron it's it's extremely abundant. Aluminum is extremely abundant. Aluminum would replace copper on the negative electrode in sodium-ion batteries. Iron can replace uh, nickel and cobalt. Uh, manganese is also used and it's also pretty abundant. So most of the metals proposed so far for sodium, for positive electrode or sodium ion batteries are very abundant. So, so we could say that all of them are actually a far greener solution than what we see with lithium ion batteries. Well, greener is a yes, but especially sustainable because there is really plenty of these metals on, on the earth crust. How well do sodium ion batteries take charging to 100%? Okay, so first of all, uh, it, it's not the lithium ion batteries can be charged only to about 80%, but if you want to have a very long life, you can use only 80% of the capacity. So you should avoid the top 10% and the bottom 10%, okay? I mean, there are ways of controlling or checking uh, um, lithium-ion batteries, uh, which allow a much wider range, so about 90% of the total capacity. 
LFP batteries uh, 100%, this is still a little bit critical. I think we, I mentioned this in the previous podcast, but lithium-ion batteries are, are, cannot be over-discharged. And uh, the problem uh, is related to the use of copper as a current collector for the negative electrode, okay? For sodium-ion batteries, this is not a problem because uh, uh, the negative current collector is made of aluminum and this is perfectly stable. So sodium-ion batteries can be fully discharged and this is actually good for the, for the shipment because they can be shipped fully discharged, so in a less, uh, least dangerous condition. And on the other side, for the charge, you don't really want to push it to the highest limit, but uh, the charge span, I think, is wider for sodium-ion batteries than lithium-ion batteries because there is no problem on the on the lower voltage. Let's get to the next question of uh, lifespan by Sean Hendrickson. He asks on YouTube, how many charging cycles for sodium-ion batteries are actually possible? Well, I mean, there is in theory no limitation. We only need to optimize the system. The industrialization of lithium-ion batteries is going since more than 20 years now, actually 30 years now. Sodium-ion is just starting. We, or industry, needs to optimize uh, all the compositions inside the cell in order to, to make the life uh, much uh, longer. I mean, the first lithium-ion batteries were only making a couple of hundred cycles. Right now, they can manage, you know, thousand cycles uh, very easily. I mean, LFP batteries can, can last for several thousand cycles without major problems. So there is not a, a limit, a theoretical limit. I mean, it only matter, what matters is to optimize the components, all the materials inside the cell. But do you have a ballpark number about where we are right now for uh, sodium ion batteries? How many? Uh, there are claims that, uh, you know, hundred, uh, even thousand cycles are, are possible, but still they are not commercial. So this is what we get from companies. It's not what we can really test or verify. Okay. But there is no reason why they should have a shorter cycle life than lithium ion batteries. Okay. So that's interesting. So just, just give us a number. Is there 5,000 or, or 2,000 for these first SRBs produced um, by Cattel? Is that? I think they claimed, uh, I think they claimed more than a thousand cycles for sure. Okay. Uh, you can see that for, for our listeners and, and as well as for all users, it, it, it's always, it always comes down to those factors, lifespan. And the next question was also by um, Sean Hendrickson and he wanted to know well how fast can you charge uh, a sodium ion battery and can you speed charge it uh, in a sense it is uh, it is uh, easier because uh, as I mentioned before CATL is proposing uh, sodium ion batteries mostly for power so for, for uh, fast charging and discharging um, in theory, this is possible because sodium ions uh, can move uh, faster in the electrolyte, but uh, this is also this also needs to be uh, demonstrated in, in practical application. Okay, as I said before, these batteries are not uh, widely available, so you cannot have still independent testing of these cells. You are kind of relying on the producer for performance if you. If you have seen, I'm sure, the, the presentation of CATL, I mean, it, well, this was very, very like movie-like, more than scientific-like, okay? <laughs> but this is normal. Uh, sooner or later, anyway, as we discussed the previous time, the lithium-ion batteries will start increasing in price 
and then sodium ion bodies will come in, into the market and they will be tested. As I understand you, it is theoretically possible to fast charge um, uh, sodium ion batteries, um, although the first produced um, batteries should show that pretty soon, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, CATL is claiming that the, their sodium ion batteries can be charged faster than lithium ion batteries. In fact, is proposing to use these uh, cells as, you know, complementary in a complementary way to lithium ion cells to take care of peak, of of I mean, high power, uh, high rate requests. So you could have a vehicle with a mix of batteries, and and the sodium ion battery could be. Uh helping with the fast charging and uh this is what CATL has uh, and also Natron actually this is what they are actually uh, proposing fast charging Next question uh, comes from Colombia. Manihot Escuelenta asks on YouTube, um, I want to learn about sodium batteries. What book should I read and what topics in order to understand everything about sodium battery? Thank you from Colombia. So now I, I cannot really make advertisement of a book, but I edited the, the, the encyclopedia of, uh, of uh um, electrochemical energies or batteries, let's say, and uh, there is also a chapter on sodium ion batteries to get the first inputs. Okay. But there are many publications. I mean, there are, I don't, I'm not sure there is a specific book on sodium ion batteries yet. There are many on lithium ion and the concept, the, the, the mechanism, everything is very similar. Okay. The mechanism, the principles are the same. Okay, so Manihot will uh, provide you a list of top three books that uh, Professor Passerini will provide us uh, after this podcast, maybe. Let's go to the next question by Martin Böhmer. He asks via email, do sodium ion batteries really not form dendrites at all? And why is that? And maybe we should also say why dendrites are a problem for those who maybe are not so familiar with that. Okay, dendrites are practically, it's, uh, instead of having the uh, sodium ion or lithium ion uh, host inside the negative electrode, the metal is splitting on top of the negative electrode, okay? And then you can get these uh, metallic wires growing inside the cell, and when one of these uh, kind of metallic wire is reaching the other electrode, then you have an internal short circuit. And th this is a big safety problem, okay? Um To be honest, I don't know from where uh, Mr. Boehmer got this information. I don't think I stated this, but uh, this is unfortunately not true. I mean, uh, uh, if if R-carbon is used for the negative electrode, then you can have sodium metal deposition. Graphite, which is used in lithium-ion batteries, below a certain temperature, practically, you only get lithium metal deposition. You don't have... Uh, insertion into the active material anymore. Maybe our carbon electrodes are less sensitive to this, but I would not exclude the, the possibility of dendrites growing into uh, on the negative electrode of sodium ion batteries. Robert V asked on YouTube uh, about costs. Now, hey guys, next time be more specific at what exact price will sodium ion batteries beat Lithium-ion batteries, please compare the exact dollars per kilowatt hour. 
I mean, is that even possible to answer? I mean, that's that's the thing of the future. I'm sure that CATL knows this, okay? Because they are actually uh, they are they have capability of mass producing batteries. But uh, I mean, for for a scientist like me, this is very difficult. What I can say is that a few years ago we published a study and we clearly demonstrated that sodium ion batteries were not uh, able to compete with lithium ion batteries. Okay. Right now, the, the situation is improving a little bit on sodium-ion side, but still lithium-ion batteries are, 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 are cheaper in terms of, uh, of cost than, than, than sodium-ion. But lithium-ion batteries will increase in cost. This is for sure. because uh, And then sodium-ion will become competitive. Uh, but I have no number. I mean, this is impossible. Only companies can, can let's say, investigate this deep enough to, to make a real per cost evaluation. We have seen uh, the uh, costs per kilowatt hour um, lowering uh, up to, I think it was a little bit uh, um, above $100. Nowadays, that increased another 50% within the last months. I think this is going the opposite way. So I guess the, the frame for sodium ion batteries uh, is getting better and better. Um, so... I guess they'll once they hit in price, it probably be a no-brainer for sodium-ion batteries to to um, yeah be successful on the market. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, lithium-ion is. I mean, the cost of some materials, uh, especially associated with the with the recent uh, crisis, let's say in Eastern Europe, um, the cost of lithium-ion is is increasing. I mean, the cost of nickel is increasing, and and so on. So. I I think uh, the the sodium ion batteries may become competitive even sooner than what I was, what was in the mind of many uh, before last year. Let's say. One hundred forty-four Don says on a YouTube comment, Shh, "Don't say this too loud. Once Wall Street hears about this, salt will be more expensive than gas." <laughs> <laughs> Jörn Wollschläger asks on YouTube, I would have liked to hear some ballpark numbers for the seawater batteries. You remember we talked about um, the, yeah. the seawater batteries last podcast. Um, this is a little bit different from what CATL, Feradion on and um, Natron Energy now are producing. So would you once more explain to our new listeners um, what is a seawater battery and could you provide some new numbers? I mean, the concept is completely different, right? In, in a sodium ion cell, is like a lithium ion cell. There is no difference. It's just uh, sodium instead of lithium and some other ma materials changed. In a sodium, sodium seawater battery, is a completely different system in which, in practice, what we are doing, we are extracting sodium from water and, and, and storing it in a kind of metallic or close to metallic state which is a very high, high energy state. And then we, we are reconverting it uh, back into sodium ions that can be re-injected in water. But the system is completely different. I mean, uh, you need to have seawater entering into the cell. It's more similar to a, um, a flow battery than a conventional battery, okay? Cost for these cells is very difficult to estimate now because they are still at an even lower technological development level. Um, we, we are trying to optimize materials here in HIU and not only uh, also in somewhere else in Europe, but 
Actually, there is a, a startup company in, in Korea. Um, I think the name is uh, 421. Uh, but I, I also in their case, I think they still are not at the level that they can define a real cost. I mean, from from the material point of view, they should be substantially cheaper. But they have to compete, not, uh, with, I mean, for different applications. It's, it's redox flow battery. It's not lithium-ion cells, okay? And and as, as for applications, I mean, it has to be inside of seawater, right? So it's probably more for maybe um, buffering um, grid variances for electric current or something like that, right? Or, or you can store huge amount of energy if you extract the sodium out of the cell and you put it in a, in a container, then then you can reuse it after many, many months. So, for example, seasonal energy storage, but, but it's yeah. a completely different uh, approach. Okay. Is it still possible? I mean, you have experimented with uh, that Korean test uh, or lab cell. Um, what are the first um, numbers you can provide regarding energy density? Oh, energy density depends. It's like a redox flow battery, okay? It doesn't count. Uh, um, the energy density is decoupled for the power of the cell because you can always store the sodium outside of the cell, okay? And then reject. So it, it is a completely different way of, of, of defining the key parameters indicators, okay? So you cannot compare these numbers. It, it is just a nonsense, okay? Because because it's not a portable cell, it's something that stays there, that has big electrodes, you have to flow a lot of water inside. But as I said, you can store the sodium outside. So this is then the, the energy storage depends on how much sodium you store outside of the cell. Okay. It doesn't depend on the cell anymore. I think it's really incredible to see how many new technologies are being invented and developed right now to to help with this energy transition and Especially the seawater application is it sounds sounds kind of crazy when when you describe what it is. And do you have a a, a time span on when that will be possible? Or <laughs> beside the activity in uh, in uh, in uh, Korea, I mentioned I know that now there is a project funded by the Italian government, um, and they are supposed to come up in three years with a one kilowatt uh, uh, one kilowatt hour uh, prototype um, if this they are successfully making it because this means going from you know very tiny small cells we are testing in the lab to uh, big cells if they are successful then uh, maybe another four or five years to be uh, fully industrialized to the large scale so let's say 10 years from now if successful It could be that the Koreans are coming up uh, before, though. That's the, the risk. <laughs> Brian Darnell asks via Facebook, what's the chance of solid-state sodium-ion batteries being produced soon? I mean, solid-state lithium-ion batteries, for example, exist, but they are not developing into the market um, because they have the same problem of, of uh, solid-state lithium metal batteries, okay? And the same might apply for uh, sodium-ion batteries. So if the lithium-metal lithium solid-state batteries will be successful, then the, the, the sodium version will come up right after. Mm -hmm. How far are you in research? Um, what are the biggest uh, challenges? Biggest challenges for uh, metal, uh, lithium-metal or, so, or sodium-metal electrodes are the dendrites we were talking before. Because... Uh, 
I mean, when you have a, a metal ion battery concept, you only need to avoid that the metals are plated, which is only in extreme cases, okay? But when you have a metal electrode, you, every cycle, every time you charge, you are plating metal, lithium metal or sodium metal. And if then the rights tend to grow, then, then you will have the, the big safety problem very soon, okay? So this needs to be solved. But there are some, uh, there are some activities also with sodium metal bodies. We are, we are working on polymer electrolytes now that seems to be promising, but it's, it's really a early stage. Okay. What's your personal guess? When will these sodium um, solid state batteries be produced at some point? Ooh, maybe, yeah. After 10 years from now. Up. For the next 10 years, my opinion is that lithium-ion batteries and then sodium-ion batteries will, uh, will uh, dominate the market. Okay. And sodium-ion most likely will be able to replace the other battery chemistries that are still secondary battery chemistry that are still used. Now, Howard Patrick asked us on YouTube, what is the possible future for sodium sulfur batteries? What do you know about that? Sodium sulfur batteries are already a reality, okay? They exist since many years. Uh, they work at high temperature, so above 300 degrees centigrade, and uh, they, they can store quite a lot of energy. There were even a, a modification of the sodium sulfur batteries, which is sodium nickel chloride batteries, also known as Zebra batteries, are, are, were you know, produced already decades ago and even proposed for electric vehicles. But the, they have some problems because they, they need to be kept at very high temperature. However, for stationary application, they are already used. Um, for sure in Japan, there are some uh, uh, storage uh, batteries. I was just chatting uh, with a person from a German uh, uh, electric company, I cannot disclose, but they, very, they are now considering to test uh, sodium sulfur batteries for, uh, for grid storage. There is nothing to be done on sodium sulfur batteries unless uh, Mr. Howard meant room temperature sodium sulfur batteries. And, and this is then a, a rather different subject, but uh, it's not going to be easy because, uh, because uh, they would have the same problem of lithium sulfur batteries operating at room temperature. So again, I, I believe that lithium will come first and then sodium come second uh, um, if the problems can be solved. What temperature are we talking uh, for the existing uh, sodium sulfur batteries? Is that above 300 degrees centigrade? Is when uh, beta lumina starts to conduct sodium ions. So the electrodes must be heated, or are the electrodes uh, somehow getting warm when used? Well, they also self-produce some internal heat, but actually you have to heat them up. Uh, you have to. Uh, both melt practically you melt both sulfur and sodium metal they are both liquid and you have this uh, beta alumina this is a ceramic material which is separating the two compartments above a certain temperature around 300 degrees centigrade sodium can go across this ceramic material fast enough to 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 get a good performing battery you can imagine i mean sodium molten sodium and molten sulfur if they get in direct contact is not uh, you know, the best situation you can dream about it. And, and, 
And then obviously uh, the, the, the key there is to realize this solid electrolyte which confines, separates the two uh, compartments. So what's your personal guess when now talking uh, different uh, cell chemistries of sodium ion batteries? We have uh, the sodium ion batteries uh, that, is, that are liquid. We have solid state uh, sodium batteries. We have sulfur and seawater batteries. What do you think comes first and probably last? Uh, okay, I mean, sodium sulfur batteries, they already exist. So you can buy if you want. Uh, sodium ion, uh, they also exist at the industrial level, but they are not commercial. So if you want to test them, it's not easy. I mean, you need to make a kind of agreement with the company. Sodium metal room temperature, I don't know. I have no clue, but I think it's going to take a few years, maybe at least 10 years. Thank you for your time, Professor Passerini. Dear listeners, we hope uh, this episode was as exciting uh, for you as it was for us. Uh, if you got any questions now, please drop them below in the comment section or email us. That is hello at batterygeneration.com. And yes, one more thing. We are as well a podcast. You may find us on Google, on Spotify, on Apple. So make sure to follow and tune in, click in and stay charged. Bye-bye. This podcast is also supported by the Karlsruhe Institute of Technology, Ulm University, the German Aerospace Center, and the Center for Solar Energy and Hydrogen Research, Baden-Württemberg. Mm -hmm.